opportunity, Lord God, this day, Lord God. Father, we just thank you, Lord God, for your presence, Lord God, that's going to heal someone, deliver someone, set someone free today for the upbuilding of your kingdom, Lord God. Father, we ask, dear Heavenly Father, that you would touch each and every one underneath the sound of my voice, as well as those that are on their way and those that's listening via internet, Lord God. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, we thank you for meeting us at the point of our need. In the name of Jesus, Lord God, have your way in the furtherance of this service, Lord God, as we submit unto you. Bless the shepherd of this house, Lord God, and those things that he prays to you about in private, Father. We thank you, Lord God, that you shall reward him openly, Lord God, as, rest is, as well as the rest of those that's underneath the sound of my voice, Lord. In the mighty name of Jesus, Lord God, we're just so grateful today, Lord God. And we love you, Lord God, and give you all praise, all glory, and all honor. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Oh, how we love you. Praise you. Oh, how we were. 
and give him praise in this place. Oh, how we praise you. He's worthy of it all. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord. Oh, how we love you. Lord, we give you glory. Oh, how we praise you. Oh, how we worship. Oh, Lord. And I will be, I'll be a worshiper. I'll be, I'll be a worshiper. I'm gonna be, I'll be a worshiper. Just for you. Come on and say, I will be, I'll be a worshiper. I'm gonna lift my hands to you. I'll be a worshiper. I'm gonna raise my voice. I'll be a worshiper just for you. I'm gonna be. I'll be a worshiper each and every day. I'll be a worshiper. I'll be a worshiper for you. praise in this place hallelujah oh we just worship you right now god hallelujah there's no one like you lord hallelujah 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 worthy you're worthy hallelujah 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 well we bless your holy name jesus hallelujah. glory glory come on and give god praise hallelujah 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 hallelujah. Amen. hallelujah hallelujah thank you lord jesus yes god yes god yes god yes god hallelujah how many of us know there's no god like jehovah yes god yes god He's our everything. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We lift you up, oh God. We magnify your name today, Jesus. Yes, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's no God like you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. There's no God like you. There's no God like you. Yes, God. Shining, shining on the cloud, shining, shining 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's nobody like you, God. There's nobody like you, God. Lord, we love you. Lord, we trust you. We put our faith in you. There's no God like. There's no God like. There's no God like. There's no God like. There's no God. No God there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Nobody can save me. Nobody. 
Nobody can heal me. Nobody. Nobody can set me free. Nobody. Nobody can love me. Nobody. Behold, he comes. Riding on the cloud. Yes, God. Yes, God. Shining like a sun at the trumpet. can do me like Jesus. I think over my life of the many things that he has brought me through and to. And only thing that I can say is nobody. Nobody can do me like Jesus. He healed my body. He raised me up. When they said one thing, the other thing happened what he said that stood. Hallelujah. And I can truly say that that song ministers to my heart. That is nobody but Jesus that allowed me to be here a half a century later when they said that I would only be here past five. Hallelujah. When I think of the goodness of Jesus, while I got breath in my body and the activity of my limbs, it's nobody but Jesus. I'm going to take what he gave me and make what he wants, which is to give him praise with the activity of my limbs. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wasn't supposed to be here, saints, let alone be in the right frame of mind to give him praise, glory, and honor. But God. Hallelujah. Somebody say, but God. But God. We got to give him a chance while we got, we got to give him praise while we got a chance to give him the praise. Hallelujah. It's not about sizing ourselves up with the next person's blessing. Right. But when we think of the goodness of Jesus, of what yep. he done for us yes, individually, God. and don't nobody else know nothing about yes, that yes, but sir. you and your one-on-one relationship that you have with him. Hallelujah, that he gives us the ability to take and share that with the world. Amen. And I can truly say that it's nobody, nobody but Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm grateful today. Hallelujah. For without him, I am nothing. I would be nothing, be able to say nothing or do nothing. But it's nothing but the grace of God. Hallelujah. And we want to praise him while we got a chance. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I tell you, that song, it blessed my soul. It blessed my socks off and touched these plastic braces that I'm wearing. Hallelujah. When you think of that, it's a personal thing with me and God. Because, see, I had to learn how to take what he gave me and make what he wants. Hallelujah. Amen. Take what he gave me and make what he wants. Amen, amen. Whether I'm sitting down or standing up, I'm going to give him praise. I'm going to give him glory and I'm going to give him honor. Whether it's something that I reflected upon 
that he did on for me yesterday, let alone his mercy, his grace, his love, and his kindness that he shed upon me today to be here with you to give him praise right now in the moment. Hallelujah. 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 I'm fired up about this thing. I'm telling you, I'm fired up about this thing to give him the praise and the glory and the honor and to take this opportunity. Hallelujah. He said where two or three are gathered together, he's in the midst, saints. Hallelujah. We have to wake up and realize that whether it's just you all by yourself, he's in the midst. He's in the midst. Let's give him praise and give him glory and give him honor. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. At this time, hallelujah. If you hadn't had the opportunity in this time of worship, in this segment of worship to give in your, your uh, tithe and your offering, you can do so from wherever you are. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I tell you, I get excited when I think of the things that he has brought me to and brought me from. Hallelujah. I'm grateful, saints. Let's stretch forth our hands towards the basket as we bless that which was given. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord God, we come before you and thank you for this, your offering and your tithe and your offering this morning, Lord God. Bless those that had to give and those that didn't have to give that they may be able to give upon the next appointed time. We bless your holy name for these gifts, Lord God. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Put your hands together and bless the Lord this morning. Hallelujah. For he's worthy to be praised. Hallelujah. this place. 
shower down, shower down, shower down. Sing your spirit, Lord. Sing your spirit, Lord. Spirit, Lord, they rain, rain on us. Please breathe, breathe on us. Shower down, shower down, shower down. Shower down. Send your spirit, Lord. Spirit, Lord, rain, rain on us, Lord, breathe, breathe on us, shower down, 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 Let your own consuming fire 
worship his name. Hallelujah. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're worthy, God. You're worthy, God. Of all the praise. Hallelujah.
that they saw him high and lifted up. And his train filled the temple. They looked at a physical structure. The word declares that the train of the Lord filled the temple. But Jesus said, I abide in you. We are the temple of God. And as the temple of God, we house the presence and the glory of God. So while the temple in the Old Testament may have been filled with his train, you as the temple are filled with his sustenance, with his substance, with his power, with his glory, with his authority. You are filled with God. The fullness of God dwells richly in you, the temple of the Almighty. We can't help but to worship Him. We can't help but to praise Him. We can't help to be caught away, to be captured in His presence. Oh, Father, that you would hear and receive our worship. Purify our hearts. As your daughter said, take out of us that which is not like you. That in all our ways we might acknowledge you. Rain on us, rain on us. Rain on us. Rain on us. Breathe on us. Embrace us. Have your way with us. celebrate the Lord. Praise the Lord. Thank you, praise team, musicians, for sharing your grace, gift, and anointing with us. We salute you and those that have joined via technology. We thank the Lord for each and every one of you. I have some bad news that I have to pass along. This may not come as a shock. Some of you may already know this news. Life is filled 
with trouble and troubled people. But I've got some good news too. For every trouble, for every problem, for every troubled person that is in your life, God has a solution for your crisis. Regardless of the things that we may face, God has imparted and shared with us over these last few weeks, several weeks, a name that identifies his power, presence, and authority over everything and everybody that comes up against you. Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble. He said, but don't be frustrated because I've overcome the world. In other words, I've overcome your trouble. God saw your trouble before you were an apple in your mother and father's eye. And he dealt with your crisis and then he gave in his word an identifying name to remind you of his grace and his presence and his power. The praise team did such an awesome job this day letting us know about the presence of God in our midst. God is not far off. He may be seated on a throne in heaven, but he's standing right next to me. He's seated right next to you. I want to talk to you today about a story in the Bible where we find the people of God in a time of great discouragement. It becomes easy as you're dealing with life and everything that life throws at you to become discouraged. My wife and I were talking, as we often do, about things concerning the body of Christ, and she came across a uh, post or a, a picture that was talking about pastors and the numbers, the percentages that they were giving about pastors being hurt, betrayed, discouraged, quitting, dying because of the stress the loneliness and the despair that's connected with it, those numbers were astronomically high. And I began to think, as I was looking at the picture, how true those things are, but they're not isolated just to pastors. I'm seeing that more and more with many people in the body of Christ, especially people in leadership roles. When I say leadership roles, I'm not talking about just the man or woman that stands behind this sacred desk to deliver the word of truth, but even the singers that stand before the people of God to lead you into worship, the ushers that stand at the door to lead you into the house of God, the deacons that lead you into caring for God's property, 
all the ministry, the elders, and everyone that takes part are all leading in some way, shape, or form. And it becomes, at times, very discouraging and disheartening when you begin to deal with things in life. Now, you can always tell when somebody is being challenged or tested or their faith may be under attack because they do a lot of complaining. Now, I know that this is kind of a foreign idea for you know, those of us in here who never complain. Pause for effect. But you can tell when someone's faith in God is waning simply by the way he or she complains. You see, complaining in and of itself from time to time, it's a normal thing. We all do it. But when complaining becomes your modus operandi, when that becomes just you, when you are identified more by your complaining than by anything else, it becomes a clear indicator that your faith is under assault. Uh In the book of Exodus, we see uh, the people of God were in a state of complaining as they camped at a place called Rephidium. Exodus 17 and 1 says that they complained because there was no water for the people to drink. I think about my wife, if we were in a place where there was no water, she might be complaining. Because she drinks about three gallons, four gallons of water a day. It's no wonder she doesn't float away. But their complaint had to do a a lot more than just with water. Because if you jump down to verse 7 of the 17th chapter, you will hear a very common phrase that I've said and that I've heard other people in the body of Christ say, and it reads, they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? Now, we may not say it as elegant as that, but we have asked the question, God, where are you? Do you not see what I'm going through? Do you not feel what I'm feeling? It seems like you're not with us or here with me or dealing with the crisis that we're facing. And we can easily judge the Israelites and their accusation against God, but we've all wondered this at some point. Is God with us or not? Where is God when I need him the most? Or as the songwriter coined, what God have you done for me lately? This is the question that's on the people's minds when they ran out of water and wondered how their lives were going to be sustained. Sometimes life becomes so stale and listless that refreshment is more than just a want. It's a need. It's not just a nice thing to have. It's a must thing to have. Now, we understand that God knows our need and he sees our need and that even in this case, through Moses and a rock, he would meet their need and give them exactly what would satisfy their desire and need at the same time. 
Yet it often happens with us, just as the Israelites came out of one difficult tribulation or trial, they find themselves in another one. Because in the very next verse, in verse 8, it says, Then Amalek came and fought against Israel at Rephidim. So now they would have war on their hands. Now I want you, let me just craft a frame for this picture that I'm trying to build in your mind. Rephidim is a rugged desert place near Mount Horeb. The water sources in this area are very low. The people of God are worn out. If, if that identifies you, raise your hand. They're worn out. And as we've seen, their hearts are unstable. They're doubting God's goodness towards them. And on top of all that they're facing, they now have to deal with a fight. Amalek has shown up, and he wants to fight. Amalek is from the line of Esau, a branch of Abraham and Isaac's ancestral tree. Nevertheless, there were problems amidst them. In fact, if we're honest, we would admit that some of our biggest problems often come from people in our own circle, in our own family, similar to what the Israelites discovered on this day. Their issue really is with their own lineage. But we find that water appears from the rock and things had seemed to be getting better, but now everything is going south for the people of God. And this leaves them wondering if God is really on their side. You see, some things you can run from and some things you can hide from, but this was neither of those things. Moses recognized this as a battle that they would have to face head on, even though the people were tired and poorly equipped. As a matter of fact, Moses said to Joshua, choose men for us and go out, fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will station myself on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. Joshua did as Moses told him and fought against Amalek and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. So it came about when Moses held his hand up that Israel prevailed and when he let his hand down, Amalek prevailed. You read about this in Exodus, the 17th chapter, the 9th through the 11th verse. I had mentioned this last week as I was trying to encourage a brother in our midst. When Moses said that he was going to go to the top of the hill with the staff of God in his hand, he was referring to a simple shepherd's crook, something like what you've seen me carry when I'm dressed in my full bishop's attire. But this staff was significant because it was a sanctified staff. This is the same staff that had turned into a snake. It's the same staff that ushered in plagues against Egypt. It's the same staff that was struck in the ground and opened the Red Sea. Through this staff, God used the natural to perform the supernatural. God brought victory to the Israelites in the battle against Amalek 
as long as Moses continued to hold up the staff. Tell your neighbor he's getting somewhere. You see, this battle wasn't decided by those who were actually engaged in the fight. The winners and the losers weren't determined by their own skill, power, or prowess. The key to success was Moses' posture with the anointed staff of God. Could Moses keep the staff raised or would the staff get lowered? How the armies fared in the valley wasn't tied to their education. It wasn't tied to their finances. It wasn't tied to their notoriety. Instead, it was inextricably tied to what Moses did atop the mountain. People would often respond with one of two extremes when fighting for something of value, such as a marriage or family, children, a health situation, a work situation, or even your destiny. In one extreme, some people fight from the mountain only. They say, I'm just going to trust God and talk to him, and he is going to fix everything. But there's another side to this same pendulum. Other people go to the other extreme, seeking to win the battle in the valley and forgetting all about the mountain. They're looking at their own skill, their own power, their own determination, the resources that they have to overcome everything that they're facing, all while neglecting to look to God. You see, only when we bring the valley and the mountain together can we experience real lasting victory. You see, as believers in Christ and followers of God, we have a responsibility to do all that we can in the challenges and trials of life that we face. Yet unless God supports and engages in our battle, victory will not be won. Tell your neighbor, your effort alone is not enough. You see, on one hand, we trust that God is going to fix it. Yet on the other hand, we must also do everything that God commands of us to fix it. If we spend all of our time reading our Bibles, praying and sitting in church, but spend no time doing the practical things that must be done to overcome our tribulation, we give God nothing to work with. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, give God something to work with. You see, Moses didn't stand on the mountain and raise his rod while Joshua and the boys drank tea. Joshua and the Israelites had to do their part in the valley to win the war. You cannot shift responsibilities to God alone. Tell your neighbor you have a part to play. You see, our responsibility and God's responsibility have to always be held in tension and in play together. Joshua fought. Moses raised the rod. If we don't make contact with heaven for our battles on earth, we'll be wasting all of our energy. Let me give you an example You can't say that you're trusting God to find you a job 
unless you cooperate with God by looking for the job that you say God is going to provide, which you will need to fill an application out for. You see, trusting God for spiritual victory in our lives without doing what's in our power to do in the valley will not allow you to accomplish much. You have to combine the valley with the mountain so that heaven can be ushered in and come down into your earth. Paul writes it like this, when then as workers, or we then as workers together with him. 2 Corinthians 6 and 1, check the text. We are co-workers with God. God is your co-worker. God is your co-worker. Now, some people will say that they're waiting on God to do something when actually God is waiting on them to walk by faith. Of course, sometimes God has instructed us to simply wait, and I'm not saying that that does not happen, but sometimes we use theological verbiage to validate our irresponsible inactivity. You cannot just simply say, I'm going to remain inactive and let God work it out if that's not what God has declared for you to do. Scripture shows the balance. Psalm 37 and 25 says, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. The second Thessalonians 3 and 10 says, if anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. So if you refuse to work, you can't lean on Psalm 37 and 25 and say, I have not seen the righteous forsaken or his descendants begging bread. You will find yourself begging bread if you refuse to do your part. There must always be balance between what God does on the mountain and what you and I are responsible for while we're in the valley. We're never to excuse our own irresponsibility just because we happen to know God. Our personal responsibility alone is not sufficient to achieve all that God wants to do in the midst of our conflict, but we have a responsibility to God. Now, in this particular story of the battle between Israel and Amalek, Amalek represents the forces of evil. In our own lives, evil forces are those things that stand in opposition to God's purpose and plan for us, the mission that God has set you on, the very thing that God has assigned for your life, the doors that God has opened where the enemy stands in the way trying to block your progress. Anything in our life that blocks us from doing what God wants done, that's our Amalek. Now, I want you to just take a minute and think about the Amaleks in your life. Now, typically when you don't know whether it's singular or plural in writing, you would spell the word and then put in parentheses the S. Is that correct, Jocelyn? Thank you. So it's Amaleks. See, some of us only have an Amalek, but some of us have some Amaleks. 
It's that thing that keeps us from doing better, going further, and living out our spiritual destiny from day to day. Now, Amalek may look like a physical opponent. It may look like some type of challenge. It may be a trial. But it is always rooted in evil that seeks to defeat you while you're standing in the valley of the refidium in your life. Amalek represents more than the people opposed to Israel, though. It also represents the evil of the people. You see, often our problem isn't simply our problem. And by that I mean the problem that we see isn't all that there is. In fact, if all you see is what you see, then you're not seeing all that there is to be seen. You see, the battle you face may be a person, it may be a place, it may be a thing, it may be a system, it may be a stronghold, it may be a theology, it may be an idea, it may even be yourself. But if it's something that's wrong, then evil is at the root of it. To address the problem without addressing the root is to fail to address the entirety of your issue. In order to address the evil, you have to address the spiritual reality behind the physical expression that you're facing. You need to address the satanic influence behind it. In the valley, you fight the physical. On the mountain, you fight the spiritual. And only your connection to God can fight the spiritual and win. If your Amalek won't go away... Could it be because you think your actions will determine the outcome? What you're doing is important, but it's never sufficient on its own when an evil root is behind the issue at hand. Getting up early or staying up late will not solve the problem because we aren't wrestling against flesh and blood. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 6 and 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. Many of us don't realize that most of the problems we face have less to do with people and more to do with demons. Many of the trials and the conflicts and the issues that arise in our lives are demonic attempts to keep you from your destiny. There is spiritual power trying to prevent you from accomplishing the very thing that God commissioned you to do. People are involved, yes, but often, people are not the root of your issue. They may, be, they may be the fruit of your issue, but they're not the root of your issue. And unless we deal with the root on the mountain in combination with our responsibility in the valley, we will not win this war. I want you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, sometimes spiritual battles are tiring. Spiritual battles can be a trip. You think people can be a trip. Spiritual fights can be a trip. Matter of fact, in Exodus 17 and 12, it declares Moses' hands were heavy. Now, what was Moses' responsibility atop the mountain? He was engaging 
at the spiritual level the conflict that Israel was facing in the valley. And the Bible says that Moses' hands were heavy as he held the anointed staff high on the hill. Now, some people might immediately think all he had to do is keep his hands up. But he grew weary. How many of you have grown weary? He began to lose some strength. The battle was waging on long and hard, and Moses held his staff up in the air for so long that the weight began to accumulate. You see, the staff didn't weigh any more than it did at the start of the fight, but he had held it up for so long that it felt heavier than before. I never really understood this passage of Scripture until I was in the military. And when I was in the military... They would give you an M16. That was your rifle. Now, to punish you for not meeting the expectation of the drill sergeant, they would tell you to hold your M16 out in front of you like this. Now, initially, you were like, I could do this all day, every day. This, day, this rifle don't weigh but nothing until you hold it out there for a while. And then you start feeling muscles you ain't never felt before. Stuff starts to quivering and shaking in your shoulders, and you, you would swear that somebody came along and added weight to the rifle, like... They just started putting on piles and piles of extra weight. But it's the same rifle. It's the same arms that held it out there. But you get weary. The staff didn't weigh any more than it did at the start. But he had held it up for so long that it began to feel heavier than it did before. It felt heavier. Now watch this. It felt heavier, but in truth, it was not heavier. The weight of the staff never changed. The context in holding the staff is what has changed the longer the staff needed to be held. Maybe this has happened to you. You know, when trials go on seemingly indefinitely, you begin to lose interest in reading your Bible. You may even find it hard to pray. Holding out hope through trust in God seems less likely to work. You know, all the things that they have raised us to do and to be in the body of Christ, I'm doing them and I'm being them I'm praying, I'm fasting, I'm reading the word, I'm meditating on the goodness of Jesus. And I'm thinking about all the wonderful things that he's done for me. But my mind's not slipping back to figure out how I got over. It's wondering how I'm going to get over right now. And it seems like that is more and more difficult you see, the problem for Moses and the Israelites was that Moses got weary. 
And as his arms drifted down, the Bible tells us that the enemy, or Amalek in this case, prevailed. So Aaron and her came up with a plan. Look at your neighbor. Tell your neighbor God's got a plan. It says in 17, 12 through 13, then they took a stone and put it under him and he sat on it and Aaron and her supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other. Thus his hands were steady until the sun set. So Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. You see, Aaron and her's job was to support the hands of Moses. They were responsible to maintain the spiritual power by lifting up the arms of Moses, which had grown tired. Now, this is where we mess up. Because there are Aaron's and hers that are assigned to us in our life, but you were commissioned to carry out this destiny. And God commissioned the Aaron's and the hers in your life to help hold you up when you grow weary. But what we do is we, bruh, can you take this for a while? I'm just going to go stand over in the corner and rest up and I'll come back and get it when I, my body feels just a little bit better. So why don't you hold the staff for a little bit? Now we're outside the plan of God. It wasn't Aaron's responsibility to hold the staff. It wasn't her, uh, hers responsibility, <coughs> excuse me, uh, responsibility to hold the staff. It was Moses' responsibility. One of the reasons I love God's creation of the church is that it provides us with a place to find our errands and our hers. When life makes you tired, someone can come alongside you there and lift up your weary arms. Or you can come alongside someone else who's ready to throw in the towel and give them the strength to keep connected with God. I often call that being carried by the faith of my brother or sister when we are too weary to live out our own faith. You see, this is the ministry of the body of Christ that we ought to carry one to the other just as Aaron and her aided Moses on the mountain while the men battled in the valley. Unfortunately, some people in the body of Christ are too proud to accept assistance of Aaron and her. You ought to just cry out, Father, help me! that the Aaron and hers might come to my aid. Yes. You see, they think that they can take care of things themselves. I can't do this by myself. But battles can wear down even the strongest person and everyone needs an Aaron or her who will keep their spirit focused Godward and not allow them to lose sight of heaven in the midst of the problems of the earth. You see, sometimes we need an Aaron or a her to help us reconnect with heaven. 
When we lose contact with the spiritual, we easily become defeated in the physical. Yet when we maintain contact with the spiritual, we will prevail in every valley of the life that we have. Some of us are throwing in the towel when we've never raised the staff. Let me close with this. We're quitting battles when we've never raised the bar. Joshua fought in the valley and Moses fought on the hill. And as a result, the Bible declares in verse 13, Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. They prevail over their enemies just as you can prevail over yours, but you cannot prevail if you're not willing to fight on two fronts. There is something that you have to do. And there is something that God has to do. And when you tie your has to with God's has to, it equates to victory. It's like building a mathematical formula. If you're missing one piece, the formula cannot be processed. And thereby, you can never find out what's on the other side of equal because you're missing parts in the equation. But when you have all the parts of the equation, you can find out what's on the other side of equal. Now, some mathematical formulas can be quite uh, uh, difficult and hard to understand. But when you have all the parts and you know where to put them. The equal is never difficult. I have found, uh, as I studied math in my earlier uh, days in school, that the equal was always easy. It was finding the parts that became the problem. Because when the parts were in place, you already knew what to do to get to the equal. I struggled at trying to figure out what the parts were. People of God, we're in the same kind of boat now. Some of us are struggling with the parts, which is making it difficult, nearly impossible to enjoy the equal. And God is telling you that there are only two parts that will generate a victory on the other side of equal. That's your part and God's part. And your part missing God's part results in no equal. God's part missing your part results in no equal. But God's part mixed with your part will result in a victory on the other side of equal. There is so much, so much God wants to release in you. He wants you to do for him. He called you. He anointed you. He gifted you. Then he sent his son to die for you. 
to not stay in the grave, but to get up to fulfill his word. Why? So that you could be filled with the power and the authority to accomplish the plan of God in your life. To boldly go where no one has gone before. To do what no one else has done before. To declare the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ in varying ways. People of God, there is so much waiting yet undone. Because too many of us are fighting in our valley and we've taken our eyes off the mountain. And there's too many of us that have been assigned to the mountain who have lowered our arms and caused the fight in the valley to go awry. We have to come together in a state of unity so that those that God has assigned on the mountain can keep their arms up, and when their arms get heavy, the errands and the hers that God assigned to go up into the mountain with them. You think about the plan of God. God didn't send just Moses to the top of the mountain. He sent Moses, Aaron, and her. Originally, initially, all Aaron and her had to do was watch Moses. Sometimes... You feel like you're in a place and you have no purpose. And you don't realize the time of your purpose hasn't come yet because God puts you in a place at the top of the mountain so that the people fighting in the valley can stay connected to spiritual victory but the one that is on the mountain with you that you've taken your eyes off of needs your help. You think you're there for nothing only to find out it is your help that causes everyone to be successful. I was watching, and, and, and I'm done after this, I was watching Dallas whoop up on the Eagles, I mean, play football against the Eagles. They were playing in Philadelphia last night, and my good friend and brother, I couldn't help but to reach out to him and prophesy of his team's demise. And of course, I shared and he shared texts back and forth every time something happened. Just in jest because we love each other. But during the game, there was a player, and I don't remember the player's name, but they were talking about him. He used to play for the Eagles, doesn't play for them anymore. But when the Eagles had gone to the, I think it was the Super Bowl, and won the Super Bowl, this particular player, this particular play, something like a flea flicker where the center 
hiked the ball to the quarterback, who then gave the ball off to the running back, who then ran like he was going to run and threw a pass, and that pass goes into the end zone to the receiver. And it's this play that's credited with them winning the Super Bowl. Everyone remembers the guy that caught the ball. Everyone remembers the guy that passed the ball. But what they were talking about was the guy that did the flea flicker. Because if he not pitched the ball to the guy that was throwing the ball properly, if he'd have pitched it too high or too low or just pitched it improperly, the play would never have accomplished. And they were joking and they were saying that I bet the guy that, you know, pitched the ball would say he's the one responsible for that touchdown, even though he gets no glory for it. The guy that threw it and the guy that caught it are the ones that got the glory. But they said that that guy, I wish I could remember his name. I'm sure if, what is it? Yeah, the quarterback is the one that ended up catching the, yeah, the pass. But um, I'm sure if Elder Marshall was here, he would be jumping up and down to tell us. But um, that player, they were talking about, even though he's not, he doesn't play for the Eagles anymore, he is a legend in Philly. Because it was what he did that led the team to winning the Super Bowl. People of God, never discount or disqualify where God has placed you in the plan. You may be the one that's going to catch the touchdown. You may be the one that's going to throw the touchdown. Or you may be the one that sets everything up. But none of it can happen if not everybody is working in what God has appointed them to do and there to support each other. We have to, as the people of God, have the mindset that we will support one another. We will build up one another. We will never allow evil to persuade us to do things to tear each other down. Our purpose is always to build up, to establish the work of the kingdom, to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ into the world, and to do everything that God has called us to, called us to do, to be everything that God has called us to be, right where God has called us, because you might be the hinge pin. And if you're not in the right place, everything else falls apart. But if you keep your eyes focused on the mountain, and the mountain keeps his eyes focused on God, there is absolutely no fight that you cannot win. Let's rush to our feet.
Hallelujah. Let's look to the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this day that you've given us. We rejoice in it. We're glad in it. We celebrate and salute your presence in our midst. We thank you for your covering, your grace, your protection, your mercy, your forgiveness, your truth, your power, for everything that is you. Father, now, as we prepare to leave this place of gathering, to go into our respective weeks, that you would help us to see where we are, that you would open our hearts and minds to understand if we're Moses, if we're Aaron, if we're her, if we're Joshua, that we might, in the position you've anointed and appointed us to, function to the fullest of our capability, tapped into the fullest of your capability to enjoy the fullest of your victory. Bless us now and keep us, Father, in your care. Break not the fellowship of your spirit with us even as we break fellowship with one another now. Go with us into our respective homes and places and keep us, protect us, Cover us, prosper us. Father, we thank you for from where you've brought us from and where you're taking us to. We may not always see our destiny, but I know that our destiny is in you. So as we figure out the parts of the equation, so that we can enjoy what's on the other side of equal. Bless us with clarity and peace, with understanding and patience. Fill us with your joy. Meet us at the point of our need. Bring healing into the body. Touch our minds. Stay the hand of the enemy. Let thy Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide with us until that day, Father, that you crack the sky and you call us to be home with you. Keep us in our coming and going, in our rising up and in our laying down, in our laughter and in our tears. Bless us with your presence. We thank you for these things in the name that is above every name. Jesus, the one and only Son of God. And the people of God declare, Amen. Amen. Consider yourself dismissed. Thank you for your fellowship.